podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 141 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. We're recording Sunday uh, after another Everton defeat, so two games played this season, two defeats, uh, 2-1 defeat to Aston Villa. Don't think it told me the whole story. Um I don't think it was totally unexpected either, even being even being perfectly honest. Um, well, a lot, a lot to a lot to discuss about that game in terms of what we saw, positives, negatives, new signings, getting the the first game for the club. Um, but Lee, what what what's your overall impression of of the game? Um, do you think we were unlucky? Did we deserve more than obviously a two one defeat? It's a really strange one, isn't it? Because ordinarily, you know. You want to get off to a good start in any season because momentum in football and any sport is, is is huge. But I'm actually strangely quite positive after the two games. Don't get me wrong; there's 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 negatives to be had as well to be you know to, to be to be picked at from the games, and we'll go over that. But you know, I feel there's a bit more optimism in the camp now. Even even you know this time last year when we had a good start to the season under Benitez, there wasn't the same unity. I think. Um, at the club, both amongst the fan base, uh, you know, and, and around the club in general, really. Now, I feel like the owner's clearly taken heed of his own words and stepped away from transfers by the look of, looks of it, which means the likes of Thalwell and Lampard are clearly on board with it. Lampard's talked about that, how him and Kevin have built up a good relationship. And, you know, we seem to have an idea, a plan, don't we, in terms of the signings and in terms of Frank assessing the weaknesses in the squad. You know, particularly around leadership as well as obviously technical abilities and things like that. So, you know, and, and as fans now, OK, we, we've lost essentially two really tight games. They could have easily been draws or even potentially we might have nicked one of them as well. So, you know, sometimes in sport, you just need a bit of luck. And obviously we didn't really have that over the last two games. Um, you know, we've lost to a close, well, a, pen, a very soft pen, but a pen against Chelsea. And obviously yesterday was really tight as well. So, I'm I'm strangely optimistic, considering we've actually played two and lost two. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because we we spoke obviously after the Chelsea game, um, and we you know there was there was positive to take in that game, and felt we probably deserved a draw in that. And you look back at yesterday's, and okay, we, we've we conceded a couple of of sloppy goals. Of, of our own our own doing yet again. You know, we've said it quite a few times. It's happened quite often last season where sides weren't scoring great goals. We were making mistakes. But even even in defeat and even after you know, looking back at, at those mistakes, you feel that you're seeing an improvement, which might sound a bit strange to some people. But most certainly defensively, we we do look that you know much more solid set pieces defending them especially having obviously James Tarkowski and, and Connor Cody for the first time yesterday. I think the two of them look, look really solid alongside Mason Holgate, who again I thought had a had a half decent game. Um but the big issue Pete really, which which we all know 
you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to work out where, where we are. Not so much going wrong, but where we're struggling currently is the fact that we haven't got that central striker, that, that Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the fact we started with, with Gordon, Graham and McNeil again. And it, it just it just didn't really work, did it? No, we lost that game because we didn't take our chances. It, it's as simple as that for me. We have 15 shots away from home to Villa's 12. You know, I, I know exactly where you and Lee are coming from when you say there's, there's a lot of positives to take from, from the game because I think we've played better in the last two games, even though we've lost them. I think a lot of the end of last season and, and you know, certainly much better than when we were on, on that losing run under Rafa where we were just getting annihilated. You know, there was no system, there was no cohesion, there was no team spirit. And you, you see now from the past two games, there's an organisation that's starting to come throughout the team and there seems to be much better team spirit and there's much better connection, at, at least between the fans and the players in terms of the football club. So it's it's really frustrating what's happened to Calvert-Lewin and, you know, I, th- I think we've got to be careful about not thinking about, you know, it, if this injury hadn't have happened, you know, might we have got something out of the, the last two games because it's a bit of a redundant question really, isn't it? But I think we've played so well. I think if you have a goal scorer, you know, someone that can hold up the ball and, you know, a little bit more of a killer instinct in the box, I, th- I think we do get something out of the past two games. In fact, I think we probably win both of them. Because um, I-, I thought Aston Villa, I didn't think they were the better team yesterday. And a lot of the pundits that seemed to watch that game said you know, it was a deserved win for Villa. Well, I, I couldn't disagree more. Um, I thought, you know, Villa's front two or three probably won that game for them. And when Gerard came out and said, you know, we, we wanted to make the game all about their back three, I, I thought that that was a little bit of a shift of focus away from his own camp, really, and his own, uh, his own defensive troubles because they were there for the taking. Last 15, 20 minutes, they were there for the taking. And I think if we would have got that goal a little bit earlier, we probably would have got something out of the game. So the, these frustrations continue and hopefully we're not going to have to continue talking about them for too long. We said that last week, Pete, on the pod, me and Mike, actually, about certainly after the Chelsea game, um, you know, there was a particular chance with Gordon, you know, that cross that Gray cut back on his right foot and whipped it in. And Gordon's basically, well, he had a free header, didn't he? And he basically closed his eyes and missed the ball. You know, if that's Calvert-Lewin, who's, let's be honest, probably or arguably the best header of the ball in the league, or certainly up there, he's going to bury that, isn't he? And it's the same with Damari Gray yesterday. That that ball that got whipped in from the same side, that's obviously cleared all the defenders and it's dropped to Gray. He's tried to control it. You know, a striker there, you look at, I said to you, Mike, you look at Callum Wilson's finish in Newcastle last week, where it wasn't even half a chance. It just came and he just flicked it in, like instinct with the outside of his foot and it went over the keeper. If that's a proper striker in the box instead of Gray, I think they just they just flick that with the outside of the right foot or hit it first time with the left, maybe, rather than trying to take a touch. Because that's just striker's instinct. Just get it, you know, get it on target. Because he was so close to goal. He only has to get a touch on it. It's probably in. So you are right. It comes down to fine details, and 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 Lampard will be absolutely ruin the fact that Dom got injured, obviously before the Chelsea game. You know, of all the players we could have lost, he was the most crucial. And you know, um, I like the fact you know he's he's, he's still positive because I think he sees what we see on the pitch, and obviously he knows the players much more because he sees them in training. But if you know what I mean, Mike, like he sees what we see in terms of like there's clearly a plan there now. There's clearly a structure, like Pete said. 
there's clearly, you know, an identity forming a little bit in terms of, the, you know, how he wants us to play. Yes, there are still teething issues in terms of, you know, certain certain positions on the pitch, and we can go over those. But you can see, you know, I, I, we can see, like, more of a plan. We've said this all along, and we, even if we have a season where we, you know, we just bounce along this season and don't do anything spectacular, but we see a style developing and we see young players flourishing, then we'll take that as fans, won't we? That, that's all. That's what we've been looking for, isn't it? And, you know, we're looking for that that structure, that plan. And, OK, we said this a few weeks ago, that this this side and this formation for me is very much built for a Dominic Calvert-Lewin type striker, whether it's him, whether it's somebody else. But it's not built to have those those, those three um, smaller, say, wider players playing playing across across that particular line. And I mean, Frank Frank Lampard said yesterday. Obviously, it's up to those players to be to be fluid and and to be creative and you know get it you know make those runs runs in behind. And let let's get it right. You know, I said this yesterday across social media. Rondon's not fit. He, this this the manager basically has said that that in his press conference on Friday. So. He wasn't fit to start the game. Uh, he's not sharp enough. Came on, did a decent job. I thought. I thought, you know, he he made him, himself known, his presence known, and caused a few issues and, and created a few chances for us as well. But people who were saying, you know, we should have started the game. Well, the manager knows better than anyone who's available, who's fit, who's fresh. Who can give him twenty minutes? Who can give him half an hour? Who can give him ninety minutes? And it was quite clear both Rondon and obviously Amadou Onana as well. Both of those players could not. Give more than sort of 15, 20 minutes. That that's where where they are, um, and and we just need to accept that that's where we are. It's not ideal, you know. We're we're not sitting here saying that going into the season without your your main striker is ideal. But bear in mind, Dom got injured pretty late on before the Chelsea game, so and we know there was work and there is work in progress to bring uh, another striker in. But obviously, we thought we were going to go into it to at least the first game with with Dominic Calvert Lewin. He, you know, he was looking looking sharp and saying he was looking fit. You know, another another sort of freak injury for him, and I mean, missing for you know for six weeks or so. So we, we've got to be mindful of the fact that you know the club are trying to bring in players. It's been yet again a really poor start to the season injury wise, um, and we expect I would have thought over the course of the next week before the Forest game. I'd expect to see a striker through the door, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but it's we, we've got to look at. For me, there's no no point hanging on on negatives. You know, we know mistakes were made. The first goal, Dwight McNeil loses the ball. They break, they score. For me, it should never have got that far, and you know it shouldn't have happened. And obviously, the second goal, Onana again trying to do the right thing. Unfortunate, I thought, uh, lost the ball and, and he went away and scored and scored the second. But a lot, a lot there for me to to really look at, be positive about, and 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 take on to the to the next game, and and none more solely than the performance, albeit for only sort of fifteen minutes or so of, of Amadou Anana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, definitely. I thought I thought he he showed in his little cameo, you know, briefly what he's about, doesn't he? In terms of his, like we said before, you know, his his his, his pace, his power, but not only that, he's got, you can clearly see he's got. Good feet, technical ability, you know, and um, you know he's almost a bit like Torre, sort of Vieira-like, and that's not trying to, put, you know, Martinez-esque pressure on him, you know, and comparing him to sort of absolute class class players, but he just sort of in terms of style showed that, and 
yeah, maybe a little bit naive. You know, I can see what he was trying to do receiving the ball there. He's clearly, you know, he's asked for the ball. How many times have we been asking for a midfielder to ask for it in the middle under pressure rather than, you know, the centre-backs constantly recycling it, you know, to each other and out, out to the full-backs. And, you know, he's let it run across his body there, a little dummy, and it's worked to an extent. And then, obviously, the lad's just got a nick on it. And uh, he was unfortunate, really. Um, but like Frank said in his post-match, you know, Dwight McNeil was probably a little bit more guilty there. He should have, it, was, it wasn't the best pass into him, but he just has to see the situation or realise the situation he's in, realise we're quite high up the pitch. And then just back, you know, wall, wall pass it, isn't it? Bounce it back and just keep keep the ball. Um, and yeah, they're both, as Frank said, you know, you can't lose the ball, can you, in central areas when you've committed, obviously, men forward. Um, and then obviously, you know, we got punished for it twice. Because um, I, I agree with what Pete said. I didn't think Villa were any great shakes. You can see why they got turned over by Bournemouth last week. Um, you know, sort of Gerald was saying, yeah, we, we wanted, you know, playing Ollie Watkins, we wanted sort of more people up there to create more of a problem for the opposition. Yeah, they created problems at times. But I thought overall we dealt with them quite comfortably. I thought it was a, a, a decent debut for Cody without being spectacular. You could hear him talking a lot. Um, I thought Tarkovsky played all right. Maybe he could have engaged the players a bit more instead of backing off, maybe, if you're being super critical. But overall, we dealt with him quite well. And yeah, it's just frustrating to, con- you know, to concede those types of goals. We said to each other, didn't we, as soon as Gordon scored from that corner, just a fraction offside, um, you know, we were just berating, weren't we? So we just need that first goal. You know, we get that first goal. It was the same when we played Bill. Last year, get the first goal. The crowd are going to get on the backs because, you know, they're not a happy club at the minute with everything going on behind the scenes with Gerard and everything. And I, th- I think we probably would have gone on to win the game, but obviously, you know, we then concede first, not long after it. And it just, it just changes everything, isn't it? Goals are everything, obviously. And just that first goal in these types of games, just vital. Um, but yeah, obviously the game turned on its head last 10 minutes and, it, you know, it became a little bit end-to-end. Both teams had chances and we certainly had chances. And, you know, I think a draw, I know Pete said we probably would have won with, with uh, we probably should have won it. I, I think a draw was probably the fair result, just maybe, I, I would say. Um, you know, I, th- I thought, you know, you've got to remember Watkins had that chance at the end when he should have lifted it over the keeper and he's hit it straight at him. And yeah, I just think, um, I just think, yeah, the game, you know, the game was there to, to at least get a point from. You know, if we haven't got a striker, I said to you, Mike, then when we spoke on the phone, we haven't got a striker. Let's at least try and keep a clean sheet to get a draw, isn't it? Let's get a draw. Let's at least get a point from the game. Let's salvage something from a game when we clearly haven't got a goal threat in the side at the minute. Yeah, that would that would have been an, an ideal scenario. Really, we we know, like you said, we discussed the striker situation. I think you, you go there. I mean, obviously, we always go to, into a game looking to try and keep a clean sheet. But I think at the moment, if you come away with a nil nil there, you'd accept that you've got a point on the board. You move on to obviously our next home game against against Nottingham Forest, and, and there's a bit more positivity. I think that we were unlucky not to get a draw. Um, I thought we started the second half better, uh, looked looked a bit more alive. Yeah, we were causing issues from set pieces. Obviously, had a goal disallowed, but we caused problems from other other corners as well. And obviously, the last ten minutes was was, was a, bit, a little bit manic. But you look at you look at the last ten minutes, and we should have really scored. In the last ten minutes, besides the obviously the own goal from Luca Dean, look at the, the two chances for Anthony Gordon, the follow up from the Gordon chance which came out and, and Rondon was sort of on his heels. Uh, it was the the Onana chance, which to be fair was it was a good a good tackle 
uh, it was a Callum Chambers who, who just come on, who, yep. who got back. And, and listen, it was a good tackle, though, now, and I couldn't have done anything else. Um, so there was opportunities there, especially late on, to get something from the game. And that's that's obviously disappointing. But that's where you need to look at the, the, the positive side of, of, of the game. And someone was saying to me yesterday about, uh, you know, all always cling to positivity and you know in defeat that shouldn't be the case but what do we do what you know do we do we constantly sit here and have negative discussions and and start laying into plays and and you know bring about a, a blame culture there's just too much of that you know it's early season players are bedding in we're short in certain areas we you know frank lampard said after the game yesterday you know this we're going to, over the next couple of weeks things are going to change with this side so we we know players are going to be coming in and also players are going to be going out you know there's still three or four players who ideally you'd love to try and get moved on before the window closes. So, you know, I fully expect us to come out of this window looking more balanced and and stronger than, than when we entered it. And that's what people need to, to remember. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, we want to win every game. We want to, we want to get something from every game. Um, but I'm certainly not sitting there, like you said before, when we uh, leave you losing games um, under Benitez and we were getting... We were getting beaten quite heavily. We're in the game. We're in the game against Chelsea, unlucky not to, to get something from it. And we were certainly in the game against Aston Villa, and we were unlucky not to get something from it. So you know, our, our luck will change. We will get stronger, um, and we we move on hopefully with a, a positive week before we before we tackle Forest next but Saturday. The, the thing is, you've got to be positive, though, haven't you? There's no point in you know, being positive for positive sake. It's not that. You know, mm-hmm. Frank is the type of guy, and he's, I think he's openly come out and said it, he doesn't get too high in victory and too low in defeat. And that's the way to be. That's how you've got, you've got to have a positive camp. You've got, you know, sport, you'll always have setbacks, don't you? Always, not just football, anything. You'll always have setbacks. How you deal with those setbacks normally dictates, you know, in, in our case, what type of season you have. You know what I mean? So you've got, you've got to be positive. You've got to take the positives from the game. Yes, you've got to analyse the mistakes. Of course you have, because you learn, you learn from defeats more than you do in victory. A lot of the time, but you've also got you've got to keep a positive spirit around the camp. And you know, thankfully, I did read a lot of tweets yesterday where a lot of people were talking a lot of sense in terms of like we have to stick by the manager now, let him build this team, give him time to implement his ideas. And and you know, that's what I think. That's not being positive for positive sake. That's just literally trying to create the type of spirit you want around the club instead of being you know shrouded in negativity constantly. Don't you agree, Pete? Do you agree with that? Well, absolutely, and I think that's the difference, isn't it? You know, he alluded to it last season when he came in that the, he'd noticed a particular mentality where losing had become normal. I can't remember the, the exact sort of phrasing he said, but I remember him talking about that in several interviews that that sort of culture has to change, and that's when a club gets into trouble. And I completely agree with that. Uh, and it, it's that sweet spot, isn't it, between not letting defeats completely derail you and set you back, but also being able to move on to the next game and be able to get something out of the next game. I think that the moment you, you enter that sort of culture and that, that mentality shift where, oh, it's, we've lost another game, something fundamental needs to change. Um, and it feels like we're a long, hopefully, long, long way away from that at the moment. I know it's very early on in the season, but it's not the, the feeling that you get after the, the first two games. And hopefully Forrest can bring our first points. But I think, though, I think... The issue with this, in terms of obviously the positivity, a lot of it for me is being, you know, we're finding ourselves most days reading things 
within the media, social media, from you know big accounts, sports media accounts, whatever it might be, to do with Lampard's under pressure, Lampard's favourite to be sacked. It's quite a constant theme that obviously has gone on, you know, since the back end of last season, since obviously we stayed up. Um, and, and I think we're finding ourselves having to sort of justify at times why we, we're sticking with the manager. And for me, it's common sense. And we, we had a chat before on social media with, with a few people about this. And, you know, people are approaching it with common sense and saying that, you know, we, we've got to, got to give this man time. Let, let him have two or three years to, to sort things out, both him and, and Kevin Felder. You know, both look like they've, they've done a, a decent job so far this summer. Um, but we're, we're constantly seeing this this sort of, I mean, I hate using the word agenda, but that, that's how it comes across. And that, that's what we're going to discuss in a bit more detail after, after our first break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Saints podcast. And like I said before the break there, brief introduction really, we're finding ourselves in this situation where Frank Lampard, from outside of the club, I think outside of the fan base as well, to be perfectly honest, is finding himself under this imaginary pressure. You know, we, we looked before the game against Aston Villa and it was built, you know, about Gerard versus Lampard and, you know, Lampard being on, under pressure. But, you know, they had the same, exactly the same win rate in the Premier League, the two of them. I know that the Villa fans weren't too happy and aren't too happy with, with Steven Gerrard and there's a bit of pressure there for him, more so than there is Frank Lampard from the fan base, that's for sure. But we, we still seem to keep on seeing the same media organisations, the same people saying the same things and sort of stoking a fire which which isn't isn't nearly there. And I mean what what's your thoughts, Leon? Well I know your thoughts, but you know, tell tell those who are listening your thoughts on it because it, it's getting a little bit pathetic really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean I mean th- this agenda now is getting a bit embarrassing, to be honest. I mean it's it's, it's so predictable. You know, yes, they were building it as the Gerard V. Lampard, but sometimes we have to remember, isn't it? It's a bit of a TV show now, isn't it? You know what I mean? Interviewing Gerard before the game and, you know, and, and comp- trying to get them to talk about the rivalry. And they're basically both just pretty much playing it down, going, there's never really been a rivalry. You know what I mean? We've always got on great. Yeah, we, we've always maybe been vying to play for England in midfield alongside Skulls and a couple of others, maybe. But, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, you know, even they're playing it down, and rightly so. And, it does. It does. You know, we as fans now, because we, you know we have a voice, obviously through social media and things like that, and we can talk as a collective. You know, a lot of fans now are sort of starting to see through that now as well, and that's important. You know, we need to ignore the noise around it, particularly around obviously, you know, when when the match is on TV and all that, and they start saying controversial things just to get headlines, um, and just to be sensationalist. You know, that seems to be the way it is nowadays. The more sensationalist you are, the more people watch it, you know, on social media and everything else anyway. So, yeah, I mean, we just need to ignore the noise, like I said. Um, as You know, give Frank the time now. We, we've we clearly made some intelligent signings, like I've said so far. If we can get a striker in, maybe two, possibly garnering on top of that before the end of the window, I think we're well equipped. Even with a ton of early injuries as well, I still think the squad looks a lot more balanced with a lot more depth. You know, so then let's look at it at Christmas. Let's see if we're seeing more progression yet again. Um, you know, based based on what, like I said before, what Frank's seeing and what we're seeing as as fans. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important, isn't it? And and my concern is that, you know, overall, I think common sense was prevailing yesterday after the defeat, and it certainly was after that after the Chelsea game. 
but I think we, you know, a lot of people sort of do see what gets said in the media and do, you know, defend Frank Lampard. But then in the same breath, they're also then stating Frank Lampard about his selection yesterday, his formation. And you just got to not buy into what's what's actually being said for me. We've got to, you know, we, we were so united last season, especially from sort of, you know, January, February onwards. But that's got to remain because this this is exactly what what the media want to do. They, they do it time and time again. And we can't afford, we're not in a position, Everton, to be sacking another manager yet, you know, within six, 12 months. I think it's it's really, really silly for that conversation to even be, be being had. Um, and like I say, you know, inside the club and within the fan base, I think overall, there's a very, very positive feel about Frank Lampard, what he's trying to do. Um, like you said, Lee, it's been a solid window so far. We do look more balanced. We certainly look better defensively. A lot of work's been being done there. And if we can bring in one or two attacking options, and whether it's it's Garner Gay or another central midfielder, then we're going to be in, in an even even better position again and look look even more balanced. And that that's the really important thing. And you know, let, let's look back when the windows closed and, and let you know we can make a, a much fairer assessment of of things, like you say, in sort of December time. Have things clicked? Are we looking better? Um, and and you know what's the um, what's the outlook for the season then? But I, I think exactly, like exactly that, mate. Exactly that. And what what was it that Frank said after the game? I think I sent you the quote. Didn't we have to be patient. There are things that are going to be changing over the next two weeks. This yeah. team is going to get stronger. So exactly, he can see yeah. that now. The team he inherited in January, very late in January. So he had one day of the window. Let's not forget that. You know, this is his first window, by the way, first proper window, you know, with a new director of football. And he clearly sees that we're in a much better position than what he walked into when he came in. Like Pete said, he walked into a team that had won one in 14 games. Losing had become basically the norm, so they weren't even able to get out. They always say, don't they, managers, when you lose a game, try and bounce back straight away so you don't get into a rut, so it becomes a habit. And winning the same. So I think he clearly sees, like I said before, what we're seeing and he just needs to make little tweaks. Yes, you can point the finger at him a little bit yesterday for persisting with the three, McNeil, Gray and Gordon, which didn't really work really against Chelsea. But then you could see, I also see it as being, well, let, let's be solid and let's try and break with pace. You know what I mean? There's an argument that maybe Delhi should have started because he's probably more, match, well, he's definitely more match fit than Rondon. So there's an argument maybe to say that, you know, in hindsight, he may have gone with more of a focal point with Delhi. He was a bit taller and can bring the ball down. Um, but he also said in his post-match, you know, those players need to be stronger with their back to goal, didn't he? He referred to that. We need to be stronger with our back to goal when the ball's fed into him. You need to keep the ball or win fouls. So, you know, there are arguments to say, look, maybe he could have maybe changed a couple of things. But at the end of the day... Let's have it right. For as, as much as we've improved the squad and things like that now, certainly looks more solid defensively. We need a bloody striker, don't we? We need a striker. Simple and straightforward as that. We need someone to be able to get the ball up to to occupy defenders, not just put the ball in the net as well. Oh, 100%. We, and like I said earlier on, you know, it's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work that, that side of things out. And, and what work is, is being done. Um, but that's that's obviously a really obvious thing to, to to beat the manager with as opposed from the outside is that a striker is yet to come in but like I say a late injury to Dominic Calvert-Lewin 
you know, we, we thought we could go into the first game with them. Um, and, and it wasn't it wasn't to be. So these things do take time. There's a lot of lot of talk at the moment about certain certain strikers coming in. So we, we'll we'll see. But Peter, what's your take on it? Are you as frustrated as me and Lee when you you're seeing this constant sort of background noise, so to speak? Looks easy news, isn't it? Easy news. Frank Lampard was one of the the greatest players of his generation. Everton a sleeping giant of football. Everybody knows the situation that we you know we've been in over the past few years. Everything that happened with Ancelotti. It's an easy story to throw out there, isn't it? I think Lee was spot on when you look at Stephen Gerrard's time at, at, at Villa uh, and you know the the records they had. I think actually Lampard's win percentage percentages is slightly higher across all games that he's had. Not so not just including the Premier League games. Um, but yeah, you know, Stephen Gerrard is the, is the sweetheart of football management, apparently. So it, it's a strange one. It is frustrating. And I guess the only hope is that when things do start to change and turn around, that he gets the same level of scrutiny and recognition for the good things that start to happen in the club. Um, however, based on how the media reported us, uh, you know, surviving last season, <laughs> that might not be the case because... He kept up a team that was in free fall, you know, reconnected the the, the fans with the club. Um, but what got the headlines was, uh, you know, our, our our fans running onto the pitch, which of course didn't happen in any other game, uh, you know, toward the end of last season, and has never happened before in football. I'm still waiting for Man City to be charged, by the way, and uh, after the assault on on Robin Olsen, which hasn't yet happened, but we did get charged and. Um, you know, it's it's just a, a standard standard procedure, really, isn't it? But that's for a, a discussion for for another day. But I'd, I'd urge anyone, by the way, to listen to Frank Lampard was recently on the High Performance Podcast. Um, I'd urge anyone to listen to that. It was a new call a few weeks back at Finch Farm, and listen to him getting inside his mind because he was on it previously when he was at Chelsea, I think, and he's talking about what he's learned, you know, what what he went through when he left Chelsea. And what he's learned, obviously, since coming to Everton. And, and that, that really tells you and gives you an idea about what kind of mind yeah, he is and how he thinks about things. And, and it's, I think that's that, that's a really, really good listen. You know, but it's important. You know, the, the important message here is that we all stay on side. We all remain patient. We, we, we can see what work is being done. I can see improvements. I'm sure that the three of us will all agree that there are, there are improvements there to be seen. And, you know, the first two games of the season, we, we have been unlucky not to come away with, with more than zero points. You know, we, probably two points would have been a, a fair reflection on, on where we are. Uh, not to be, but, you know, I'm sure our luck will change and things will, will click and hopefully that happens uh, when we face Forest at um, Goodison Park on Saturday. Yeah, I definitely advocate that that podcast, mate. Um, it's a real good insight into Frank's mindset. Um, he was on before a few years ago when he was at Chelsea. And not long after, actually, he lost his job. Um, but they were second and they lost four games and then plummeted to ninth and he lost his job. And he talks about it in, the, in this latest version. Um, but what clearly comes across on that podcast is, 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 is for me, you know, how emotionally intelligent he is, uh, how self-aware he is about himself as well in terms of, you know, how he's imp- he feels he's improved and how he does things differently. And, you know, he's still young manager in, in, in the game of management, isn't he? So... He's going to learn a lot as he goes along, but I think he clearly is an intelligent guy and and, and a, a real hard worker. That really comes across in his career, uh, and you know, as a player and and certainly as a manager as well. And and that's 
that's what we want, isn't it? We want, we've always said we want a young, hungry manager who understands us as a club to take us into the, into the, into, you know, the, the stadium and beyond. And I think, I think at the moment, I think most fans would want that to be him. I think he mentioned suddenly about wanting, wanting to be here to take us into, into Bramley Moor. Uh, and that's the plan, having stability, uh, having, a, having a plan and a, and a direction. And, and that involves having the, the same minds. You're hopefully doing a, a good job as we as we move towards towards Bramley Moor, which, by the way, is looking spectacular and has gone has gone up very, very quickly. So I look forward to seeing that a bit closer up next next week before the, the Forest game, to be honest. Uh, but a lot, a lot of positives, I think, on the... Uh, around the club, even after a couple of defeats. And, and really important, we all stay together and back in the manager and obviously shut out that uh, that white noise, so to speak. Um, but we're back at Goodison Park next weekend. Looking forward to getting there for my first game of the season um, against against Nottingham Forest. And we're going to discuss that after this short break. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Unholy Trinity podcast. And it's all eyes on, on next Sunday, uh, next Saturday, sorry, Goodison Park. When Nottingham Forest newly promoted Nottingham Forest uh, visit visit the ground for the first time. It's what is it, about 23 years, I think it is. 24 years since Forest last year in the Premier League. So big game. You know, we've got no points. Um, we need to get something on the board, that's for sure. Uh, and it's gonna, you know, at the moment, Forest seems to be buying a player a day from um, from what I can I can see on um on social media. They they've they've got a the thing is, in many, many pies when it comes to transfers, and and obviously they, they, they are trying to splash the cash in order to to make sure they stay in the Premier League for more than just just one season. Um, the most high-profile signs probably being the the incoming of, of Jesse Lingard, who we were linked to. Um, but Lee, what what have you made of of Forest's uh, dealings in the transfer market so far? That they, they're certainly giving it a, a good go, aren't they? If, if, even if we think maybe they're going a little bit too far with the, uh, the the new faces of the club. Well, I think they've had to, haven't they? Because they lost so many players from last season. Um, you know, the manager came out last week. Um, he, he's, done, he's done a great job, hasn't he, Cooper, there? Um, and he's gotten back in the league. He's well, very well thought of and rightly so. And, and, and um, yeah, I, I think, if, you know, they've had to go out and sign a lot of bodies with that comes excitement, yes, but also you know time that's needed to bed these sort of players in, um, and fair play to them. I, you know, I commend them for having a go at it. You know, a lot of clubs now. You know, the, I think Neville alluded to it recently. The ones that come up now, less and less of them are spending heavily and just prepared. They're quite happy to just yo-yo, aren't they, between the two, just to get the financial rewards and and not really bat themselves to sort of stay up and then become like the you know the Burnleys of the past or the Stokes and people like that. So. Um, you know, and fair play to Forest, they're having a real go. Um, obviously, they've recently signed, they tied up the Dennis deal by the looks of it, and we were obviously interested in him. Uh, I wouldn't have minded him coming in, as I've said before. I think, you know, he's, he's a very, for example, if we'd have had Dennis yesterday, just because his physicality, his ability to run with the ball, his pace, I think we'd have caused him all sorts of problems. Uh, well, a lot more problems than we did uh, with, with, you know, limited attacking threat yesterday. So, um, but it's not just for the short term, it's for the long term. And I, I think that could be a, a good signing for Forrest. Um, but yeah, let, let's see. You know, the Lingard one's a weird one for me. You know, no, neither the club or the player have come out looking good in that transfer because they've only purely done it for a year, which is a bit of a disgrace, really. You know, that's basically Lingard, Lingard almost saying, look, I've come for the money. And if you get relegated, I'm off on a free to get another payout payday somewhere else. 
Um, and obviously the club could have handled that a bit better and maybe done it, you know, one year with a one year's extension, maybe or something like that. You know what I mean? If they stay up or whatever, maybe phrasing it or wording it a bit differently. But anyway, that's not for us to be worried about. But I, I do think uh, obviously they're playing West Ham as we record now. Um, that's their first home game, obviously back in back in the league. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that go uh, that goes. Um, but yeah, one thing that's really stood out with West Ham, and, uh, sorry, with sorry with Forest, is that uh, in twenty twenty two they've only conceded twelve goals until before they played Newcastle the other day. So it's fourteen goals if you include Newcastle. So they've bet, they've built you know that that promotion push on on the back of being a really really good defence. Obviously, they've got a strong captain, and we were briefly linked with, weren't we, in in, in Warrell at the back. Um, you know, and they've they've prided themselves on being hard to beat and. You know, I watched a bit of that Newcastle game the other day and and, and uh, snippets of it, and the, you know, the, basically the the rhetoric that came out of the game was pretty much that Newcastle was struggling to break him down, uh, and it turned out you know a worldie from Shaw from about thirty yards eventually broke the deadlock, and a very clever finish from from Wilson. So, but they were they were very much in the game without really carrying a massive threat. So. You know, just because we're playing Forest at home next week, for me, doesn't guarantee that we're just going to steamroll them, score a few goals, and and, and everyone's happy. You know, I do think it'll be a tight game again, um, particularly with the fact that you know if we certainly don't get another striker in, um, he's not just going to completely fix it, even if we do get one in. By the way, because um, they'll need time. Um, I think it'll be a tighter game than than, than actually we think as fans personally. I've got. I mean, I've been watching watching a bit of the Forest game at this moment in time, and they, you know, they look look pretty quick and pretty swift on the uh, on the counter. They got a, a couple of really really strong players. They obviously Brennan Johnson, a player we were linked to quite heavily, uh, signed for them, didn't he? Um, after a decent season season on loan, um, they, you know, they, they they've bought like we said, you know, they've bought a lot of players. It's it's a necessity if you like in terms of getting numbers numbers in, although it's so it's it's a balancing act, really, isn't it? To try and not not bring in too many, so you know it is a, it's difficult to to bed in so many so many new signs at one time. Um, but the guard sign do something to make sure they're strong enough to to stay in the Premier League. So ne- next you know, or this weekend, you know, promises to be a, a really tricky uh, game. A lot depends on who we bring in. Hopefully, there's two new faces this week. Um, obviously, the Usyk guy transfer saga. Is dragging on. wasn't in the PSG squad when they played this weekend. Um, a lot of talk around strikers, and you know, hopefully, one should be tied up over the course of this week as well. But tricky game piece, isn't it? Especially at the start of the season. You know, it doesn't matter who you play. It's it's so hard. You know, to, to really um, not, not so much make a case, but always see us beating certain teams because it takes a little while for the for the league to settle down, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, I, th- I think we could well be playing them at the wrong time um, because I, I think in a lot of ways they're almost in the opposite position to us. They, they've invested heavily and they brought players in early and have bedded them in the squad, as Lee said, seemingly to, to quite good early effect. I mean, you, you look at the, the team they've got out today. Dean Henderson is, is, is new, obviously. Nico Williams, new. Lewis O'Brien and, and Toffolo, who they bought from... Huddersfield Town, who are arguably arguably Huddersfield's best players, uh, that that helped them finish third last season. That they're, they're both new additions. Lingard, new. Um, 
Awoni, I can't say his name, but it, he looks like a real handful up front. He's a new signing as well. And they've also just gone out and bought Dennis and uh, Kuyate as well. So they're in a really strong position and, um, you know, really on the up. And they will come to Goodison Park more than happy to take a point. And I, I think that then puts the pressure on us to break down a defence, as Lee said, that hasn't been particularly leaky um, on a club who are confident and are going to expect us to, uh, to to try and come at them, really. And we'll be happy to hit us on the counter and see if they can get something from the game. So I think it could be a really tough watch. Um and the only hope is that we might be able to field a slightly stronger, more balanced team to what we put out of Villa that might allow us to, I think, play a bit of football and maybe lift the team and, um, you know, lift the fans. But, yeah, I think I think it could be a nervy one. Yeah, I think, you know, may, may well be. As I say, so difficult to predict the, the early games of the season until things start to, start to settle down. And obviously the... The hope is that we do get a striker in who who can make obviously other defences think about things a little bit more than the three that we've had up, up top so far. Uh, because if, if we're asked to, to play on the front foot, if you like, and, and look to break a side down, will we struggle to take that particular role with the side we've currently got? Maybe. Uh, I mean, do, does Onana come in from the start? We don't know if, he, if he's fit enough. Um, he looks, I mean, obviously. For the, for the goal, the goal yesterday, uh, carried the ball really well, didn't he? Um, looked like he wanted to play on the front foot, a big, physical, strong unit who, who can certainly link up with the forward players and make things happen. So if he's fit enough, maybe you can give Frank Lampard an hour with with a bit of luck. So another week's train under his belt will really, really help him as well. Um, but I think a lot depends, as I say, on, on who comes in this week as to how we set up and, and how we play in terms of, as I say, playing on the front foot, or do, do, ever, do we try and sit again uh, and look to try and counter? Um, but that's obviously for the for the manager to to decide on that. But it's certainly when you when you um, come up against the new promoted side so early on, they, they get through a lot of the early games, don't they? On, on adrenaline, being back in you know being back in the Premier League for Forest um, for, the, for the first time in many many years, it's such a big a big adrenaline rush for them that it does carry them through games and can give them an extra extra yard or two. So we've got to be mindful of that. We, we, we really have. The, you know, there's no doubt that they, they will cause us problems at some point. But we've got to go in there. Confidence. Remember, we are the home side. Fans on board. You know, backing the players from, from minute one, which obviously we did against Chelsea. Um, and hopefully it's enough to, to, to get, us the, get us the three points. Um, but... I think we just need to show, for me as well, a bit, a bit, a bit more quality. Um, there was a couple of times, wasn't there, in, in the um, in the game at the weekend um, about you know McNeil getting in that position right in the middle where you want him, you know, either unleash a shot or or, or, or play a, a better weighted pass. That was just poor, wasn't it? I mean, you, you, I mean, you, you know, I hate to say it, and it's probably a bad example, but you know, you know full well if that's someone of the quality of say a Hamed, it's a perfect pass, isn't it? A perfect pass which results in Gray having a one-on-one, or, or you feigns the pass and, and, and bangs it, you know, on target or something like that. And you know, there's a, just a couple of bits where we're just making the wrong decisions. You know, um, I thought Wobi played well again yesterday, and you know, just little bits where he's gone for. A, I said to you, Mike, then he went for a give and go with um, with with um, um, Anthony Gordon, 
where he's magged he's magged the lad. He's he's got a yard on him. Gordon only has to flick that back into his path, and he's in the box. Instead, he ignores the pass, goes back to Tom Davis, misses the pass to Tom Davis. Davis has to bring the guy down. It's a yellow card. You know what I mean? And it's just like it's stupid things like that, you know, where that just a little bit of quality, a little bit of quality when you need it is a difference at the highest level, isn't it? Oh, most definitely. It's fine margins. We, we say it all the time. And the first two games of the season have proven that, you know, how, how fine the margins actually are between picking up one or three points or, or no points in our case. And, you know, it, it's it's those split second decisions, it's that little bit of quality. Um, it's being brave, you know, because how many times do, do we take the safe option where you know we go back on when we should be looking to go forward? And I mean, one player who, who you know we, we've not mentioned actually from from yesterday yet again is showing some some really good form is Alex Obi. That's one player who is looking forward and trying to make things happen, looking to link up with the front players. But at times he's looking to go forward and there's nothing in front of him, and that's a frustration, and that's what we need to get to, to be better at. And hopefully, with the addition of a striker, Onana getting a bit more game time, we, we, we should hopefully start to see to see that happening. Um, whether it comes to ACC on Saturday, who knows? But I'm hopeful going into the game with a lot of positivity from from my my uh, point of view, and I, and I look forward to getting to Goodison Park as I say for the first time and and um, and and seeing what we can what we can produce on the day. But let's finish off with our round of predictions if we can. Pete, what are you saying? <laughs> well, the, the the negative in me says we could be playing Forest too soon, and I think we might lose two 0 But I'm 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 going to give you an, an ultra positive prediction, and I'm going to say the floodgates are going to open in our favour. I think we're going to score early, and we're going to win three nil. From one extreme to the other, there, Pete. Lee, be positive. Yeah, I've got to be positive, hundred percent, Lee. So Pete's probably had an extra espresso this morning for that one. <laughs> um, no, I, I, yeah, it's, it's like I said, I, I do think, you know, with the fact that we, you know, let's be honest, the only goal we've scored so far is an own goal from a former player. So, um, you know, I, I don't think there'll be a lot of goals in it. And I just think we, we do need to try and nick it. Um, and, and I'm hoping we'll have just a little bit too much quality for him. The key is, as I said, they're resolute. You know, West Ham are struggling to break them down as we speak right now. So we need to try and get an early goal, get the Goodison crowd going, and then it could be an easier match. Certainly, it'll take the pressure off the players as well. Um, but you know, I think we'll, I think we'll just nick it. I think it'll be one nil, one nil for us. I agree. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a, a tight game. I, I hope Peter writing it is a, is a, a three nil that's comfortable and we score early and we, you know, take a little bit of that, that uh, nervousness off the performance. But I think it's going to be quite tight. I, I, I think. I was going to say 1-0. I'm going to say 2-1. I'm going to say 2-1. Um, hopefully, we've got a couple of goals in us. A um, couple of new signs this week. It really adds to the, to the positivity. But difficult game. You know, like, like Pete said, I'll be playing him at the wrong time, maybe. Um, but let, let's let's see how they get on, obviously, in, in their game today as well. Um, but looking forward to it. Fingers crossed for a, a really positive result. But that is us for this week. Um, we'll be back. Next uh, next Sunday, obviously after Forest, hopefully with a, a good performance to look back upon. Hopefully a couple of new signs to discuss as well. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast.
Social Podcast Network.